Meow. <laughs> and we're live. The winter of discontent. Neil is here with a cat. Yes. Hello, Joe. Meow. Uh, in, a, in a sunflower shirt. Um, yeah. What's going on? Are we having deja vu? Is this Groundhog Day? It is a bit, yeah. Yeah? Why? Because we're talking about the same thing, more or less. Yeah. More what or else are we talk about? Give me one other topic we could talk about. That would be... I mean, there's plenty of topics that people would be interested sports. in. Okay, sports, right? That's how Joe Rogan breaks the monotony. He just starts talking about MMA. Yeah, but then a lot of people switch off, right? Oh, a lot of others tune in. Yeah, well, I'd say it's probably segregated, you know, like yeah. people who tune in for those shows and people who tune in for the other ones, you know. Um, yeah, speaking of Joe Rogan, he had the guy, uh, the CNN's um, mm. medical dude on there during the week. Sanjay Gupta. Yeah, Sanjay Gupta. And Sanjay he's their chief medical correspondent. Yeah, yeah. So he's fairly lofty in the organization. He knows. I suspect knows they sent him out as a kind of... Let's stave off a lawsuit. A bit of damage control. Yeah. Um, he lasted the whole three hours, too. He did, yeah. I didn't listen to much, really any of it other than the, the part that maybe other people have seen. The where he Highlighted clips. Yeah, yeah. Where Rogan basically pulls, takes him up on, uh, on CNN's claim about ivermectin. Yeah. And, he uh, lied. Yeah, he lied. Guy, he's like, he got, well, he, no, he, But the guy, really guy came across as like really ignorant, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like he didn't know what he was talking about. Unless well, you'd was, have to be to be a CNN. Yeah, unless you've been deliberately kind of like clueless in order just to kind of like avoid, uh, you know, saying what he, he saying what they had said already, already which he is found like, a middle ground where he said, yeah, it shouldn't have been they shouldn't have said dewormer. That. They shouldn't have lied. They shouldn't have said dewormer. They shouldn't have told lies. They shouldn't have said only dewormer. If they had technically the headline had been, yeah, anti-COVID medication and horse dewormer used by Joe Rogan. So he tried to pretend that it's just missing a word or two in the reporting of it. Except that totally changes no. the it, yeah. well, it totally changes the the nature of it by yeah. not putting the other words in. Um, it's a lie by omission, essentially. But it, it was an, a straight up lie as well. Um, the, it was a mistake. So he admitted it was a mistake for CNN to apparently consciously lie about an effective treatment for COVID when everybody was desperately trying to find treatments for COVID. And that lie was supported by the FDA, by Fauci, and by pretty much everybody else. Yeah, so well, they all that was one of the things he did. He referred to the FDA. He said, did you see the FDA's? Because the CNN thing on Joe Rogan comes yeah. after the FDA tweets yeah, dewormer. They were the first to say it. So right. he was saying, you're the queen of snark, but the FDA came out with the snark first, so... Yeah, but does that mean you're you trying should, to hide behind it? You know? Does that mean you should repeat the snark, not the snark, but the lie? Essentially, you should you should repeat the lie so that the FDA lies about something and you go, "I'm gonna." Well, you know what it. people are like with leadership, authority, and all that. If kind of authority stuff. said it, well, it's not only said it, but said it a certain way, then I should behave like so as well. I should tell lies too. Yeah, snarkily, because I'm like a child because I can't think for myself. Hmm. I'm an idiot basically, and all I can do is repeat the words of authorities when there's a lot of evidence to. To support the the idea, the claim that authorities are yeah. being malevolent, consciously malevolent towards the population. Well, fair enough. If that's allowed, right, then... Uh, we just saw that clip, so I don't know how to, if that went on, that part, but Sanjay Gupta got out of it, you know. I don't think he got out of it at all. He got, he got on the point, no. But, he, you know, they probably moved on to other things quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, anyway, um, yeah, ivermectin's still good. Merck has a new, a new, a new um, wonder drug. It's actually been described as a wonder drug. Molnupiravir. 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 Whatever. Some made up word. Um, to, to beat the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a drug that was, yeah. And it apparently is pretty good in trials and all that kind of stuff. 50% reduction. But the problem is that there were, um, in March 2020, there were successful trials against SARS-CoV-2. Uh, but at the time, Trump was a whistleblower, a guy called Rick Bright, who's like a government epidemiologist on some, you know, official government body, whatever. He went, he went, he blew the whistle on Trump, supposedly trying to push untested drugs or something too quickly and cronyism or some kind of bullshit. But that's exactly the same drug that is now, after everybody's been vaccinated, now it's being pushed out. And Merck's going to make like three billion this year or something like that. But uh, after everybody's vaccinated, only then is it revealed. And this is a drug that was in 2018 was already already had FDA approval or NIH approval for I think it had FDA approval for against the flu. So it was like a flu drug, uh, antiviral. Yeah, uh, works in the flu. 2018, March 2020, looks like this might work on COVID. Trump's a racist. <laughs> Uh, drug gets panned basically for a year. Well, you know, there's more. It delays the delays the the, the rollout of it and the approval of it. Testing and, and, and now they get uh, Merck finally gets uh, emergency there release, must, and it's fa it's good. I said to you before there must have been background discussions to get the rest of big pharma to shut up for eighteen months. Yeah, and for vaccines yeah. with the promise that. Don't worry, you've got you've got your contracts, but just just wait while mm -hmm. we get this ready. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, the whole thing is zero COVID, right? Zero uh, COVID, zero carbon. Um, obviously, there's similarity in language here, but there's a bit more to it than that. We want to we want to try and understand why on earth they want to eradicate the byproduct of the carbon dioxide, right? Man-made carbon dioxide. What, what's with that as a, a total goal? What's, what's wrong with carbon dioxide, you mean? Yeah, on the one hand. And then also, of course, zero COVID. Now, zero COVID isn't as widely, you know, there's differences between the two, but the same kind of overall well, messaging yeah. is extreme. And it's an extremist approach to two, two supposed problems, two different, uh, two slight, well, connected. They do connect them, you know? Yeah, Prince Charles connects them, and other people connect them uh, in saying that um, the destruction of the biosphere and the, uh, that supposedly we're doing um, and animal habitats means that animals will, you know, have to live in houses with us because you've destroyed their habitats, and then you'll get like monkey viruses and stuff. That's that's the dumbed down version of I it. I heard a version that that's said more, there was ecological pressure on the bats in the caves in but, China, which somehow spurred a mutation well they've been but they've been talking about that for a long time i mean that's that's oh. that's i mean uh viruses and, and different different diseases uh becoming much more prevalent and humans being much more exposed to them as a result of uh the destruction of animal habitats so it's basically the two are linked uh climate change uh human caused climate change 
human carbon emissions. Humans in gen- and that's just one part of it. It's also like along with putting out too many carbon emissions, humans are also, as part of that process, destroying the environment, which um, destroys animal habitats, which means that viruses among animals will be more likely to spread to humans. So there's a direct connection between the two. And lockdowns is the answer to both of them. Right. When you see the monkeys, you know, running through the streets, coughing and sneezing at you, it'll be lockdown time. <laughs> the monkeys and the bats and, and the, the pangolins. Bats. Yeah. And the whatever else. Uh, no, so there is a connection between the two. And um, so zero on both is an extremist approach to solving the, the problem that the supposed problem that both of them pose. Of yeah. course, we would contend that neither of them really pose much of a problem. There are, you could take a reasonable approach in the sense that uh, there are problems in the sense of things that you should work on and try and, you know, you know, improve, uh, you know, let's say pollution and the way, you know, industry maybe tends to, or the destruction of, of, of the national environment. You can kind of look at all that. And there's pl- plenty of people been looking at that for a long time. But, and also in terms of, um, well, the spread of diseases, I'm not sure much, there's much you can do about that, you know. I mean, unless you say that it's connected to the destruction of the habitat and that monkeys and bats and pangolins and stuff really will spread viruses to us. But, of course, that's bullshit because that narrative itself doesn't make any sense because this wasn't uh, – this, this, if, if it's based on the narrative around COVID, then it wasn't uh, – that's not how it happened. It didn't come from a bat. It came from yeah. a lab. Yeah. What we need to do is stop climate change from destroying – the habitats of epidemiologists working in labs because then they'll end up releasing viruses. So we need to protect the epidemiologists. Keep them in their labs. How do we keep them in their labs? Lockdowns. Lock them in their labs and don't let them out. So they, right. <laughs> don't let them in the labs in the first place. Yeah. Basically, destroy all of the gain-of-function labs in the world. And voila, you fixed zero COVID. There's zero COVID, exactly. (laughs) Done. Done. That's that one done. What was the other one? Zero carbon. How do we we get rid of carbon? Don't need to. Carbon's good. Produce (laughs) some more. CO2, up the wazoo. Let's have some more. Yeah. What's the other problem? Any other problems? Because we can make this a pretty short show and then we can be done. (laughs) Is there any other problems we need to solve here? Uh... I don't know, what was it, racism? That's another problem, no? That's another one, yeah. Uh, sorry, that's been around a long time, and most people don't. Kill Whitey. Kill Whitey. Wipe out... Uh, what wipe, about eth- wipe out Whitey with an ethnic-specific virus. Ethnic-specific virus. So you need to gain a function labs for that. Right, yeah, see? okay, okay. Well, so it, before you lock them down, or lock them out... Right, release a ethnic-specific virus that'll kill off Whitey, and there's no more racism. But the sequence of things is important, because if you get that out of sequence... Yeah. No, <clears throat> basically, yes, zero COVID, zero, zero carbon. There is a commonality between the two of them in terms of government policy and the, the very term zero COVID and zero carbon emissions. Um, it's extremist. It's unworkable. Both of them are unworkable. The zero COVID thing, most people agree now that it's unworkable. Of course, they had to go through lockdowns, draconian lockdowns, you know, seriously impacting the economy and people's lives for 18 months or more. It's still ongoing in some places. Until before they agreed or decided reluctantly that 
zero COVID isn't a way to go. But that's not the case with zero carbon. They're still uh, trying to push zero carbon. What? Yeah. There, there are actually four countries that are still. You see, there's two things, two levels here. There's, there's official rhetoric, what the government claims it embraces ideologically, and then what it actually practices. Okay, um, officially, uh, at the start of all this, New Zealand, Vietnam, Australia, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Singapore had zero COVID. Over there. Over there. <clears throat> so any expression of the virus, lockdown, isolation, deal with it locally. We can't allow a thousand cases. No no cases. No cases, none. Um, Ireland came close to it. They had a push. We're promoting it. There was an independent they... sage, the kind of other sage in the UK that was trying to make it official yeah. there as well. Didn't take officially in those countries. Here we are 18 months later. All... All but the three have dropped it, of those nine that officially took it. What three? China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Mm. Okay, so that's rhetoric level. But then if, if you hear China, you go, well, that suggests they have really extreme measures there compared to, like, in terms of impacts on the street and people's lives. Yes and no. Um, you don't hear of the kinds of lockdowns that they had in Australia. In China. In China. But they do have, in practice, something that is extreme. That's being rolled out for next year in Australia. Quarantine centres in China. Yeah, oh, oh, right. Specifically, if you fly back into the country, test with a positive test, you've got to go to isolation in one of these places. They've got like two kind of mini cities built up. In right, but doesn't doesn't zero COVID one of the primary tenets of zero COVID is lock the borders from foreigners coming in? That's what New Zealand did. No travel. Yeah. But that's how, are we all happy for China to do that? Like, no flights in and out, no foreign workers, nobody. It's only shipping out. I mean, is that even that's not possible for China, right? China can't do business with the rest of the world no. by locking its borders. This so. is where I don't understand in practice what are they actually doing. We've heard extreme cases. So we mentioned on the show like three or four weeks ago, there was a case, a positive case in one of its major ports, the third largest port on the planet, I believe, in terms of trade volume. A case it was locked down for how many days? I think three. No activity took place there for three days. Mm. They were willing to pay that price in terms of backlogs, economic factors, pay mm -hmm. the price mm -hmm. for that single case. Mm -hmm. Well, how across the board is that? Was that just, did that just make some headlines locally? Was that the end of it there? Mm -hmm. Because you can imagine if that was strictly applied to any positive test case in China at any time, the country would be completely logjammed and therefore the world because, of course, China produces most of the world's stuff. Um, right. So it's bizarre. There's an official policy. Then there's apparently the level below where it's being applied piecemeal mm. here and there. Mm -hmm. For example, if China was really as rigorously testing as some of the stories and headlines of individual cases like that one suggest – They'd be mass testing people. They'd be finding COVID up half of everyone's noses and nothing would get done. Mm -hmm. That isn't practically the case in China as a whole. You know what I mean? Right. So the application of zero COVID, if, if that's the, what the country has taken officially at this level, is a different story. The converse can be said as well. The official policy 
which a bunch of op-eds from China were like, we could never do with the UK. The UK model, they call it, because Britain apparently led with this. Officially, as far as the East sees it, the West has now accepted the British model of just live with it. And they're horrified. They tell the population, this is terrible. They're just going to let tens of thousands of people die. We, we, we mentioned it briefly. But I, everybody's been vaccinated. Everyone's been vaccinated. It's not a problem anymore, right? Except it is. Except it is. But yeah, retar- it depends work, right? on what it is, what your real target mm. is. There's an official what? policy of this is our target, but it's not the real one. At what point do you accept that like, people are going to die from viruses as they do every year? I suppose numbers, all about numbers, right? Mm. But you can massage the numbers any way you want. You can change the goalposts on, on numbers and you can say that, like, that's where zero, zero COVID is. We can't have any death. You can't, not only can you not have one case, you can't have any deaths, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if we have one case, i.e., or even one death, uh, we're, uh, we're locking down and, and it's shut down for one death. Um, but after everybody's been vaccinated and the vaccines have waning efficacy over over five six months, and cases are shot, skyrocketing, so you're gonna yeah, and cases because of that because because uh, efficacy is is waning, and you're gonna you're, you're kind of rolling out yearly or twice yearly shots. At what point do you go? That's it. That's done. That's the most we can do. Is it is the idea? I mean, is the idea that lockdown, some kind of lockdowns, or some kind of threat of a lockdown, or half lockdowns, or restrictions in society? continue forever i mean right this is this is the problem with this it's been a long-term problem with trying to explain what the hell zero carbon stuff is yeah because it's really 30 years old it's only a more recent formulation of it but you know you look it up and you find actually it's been discussed it's been called that for last say the last decade you will go mad trying to understand what they actually mean by that because there are so many interpretations and the set- of this haloed, hallowed target goal, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and ev- leaders everywhere use that. It's not just a Western thing. Everywhere yeah. so they use the same. This is what we must do. So it's politicking, yeah. It's politicking. Like, and behind that then, there's the, well, the esoteric internal elite specific to that country interpretation of what that means. And even more still, there's specific practical things they are changing mm-hmm. as to what they think they mean by that. You know? Yeah, and, there, and there's divisions within government as well as to what there's there's the one putting forward uh, zero car, zero COVID or zero zero carbon uh, zero carbon emissions as a as a matter of uh, kind of propaganda or politics in order to you know. Curry favor with the population, most of whom think the planet should be saved in a vague kind of way if it's under if it's in, under threat. Uh, and then there's the internally the, the the numbers behind it and stuff. You know, there's um, there's an article in the Guardian this week about uh, division within uh, between Boris Johnson, UK Prime Minister, and uh, Treasury Secretary of the Treasury, um, who well, the Secretary of the Treasury was like, "Listen, you know, Boris, you can talk all you want about zero carbon, but." Financially, it's it's not going to happen. There's all sorts of problems with trying to switch over to a green economy, like basically stop uh, using gas and oil and and fossil fuels and switch over. It's not going to happen, basically. Um, and of course, it's not going to happen anywhere else in the world, you know. And this is part part of the the other conversion between zero carbon and zero COVID is uh, you have the two of them are being blamed right now for a lot of the food shortages and uh, uh, energy shortages in the world, right? Uh, because on the one hand, you have uh, 
on the one hand, you have the lockdowns and the stalling of the economy causing an energy crisis because, you know, there was a, a reduction in, 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 in demand during the ridiculous lockdowns. And then when the demand came back online, supposedly you have uh, a kind of a much greater demand and then a shortage as a result of that. And on the part, another part of the reason for the energy crisis is uh, the focus to what the extent to which any given country has focused on or has invested in or relies on renewables. Those renewables haven't been producing very well over the past year or so. Therefore, you have uh, an energy energy supply as well. And also, uh, with the COVID, with the lockdowns, you have uh, labour shortages basically as well. Because a lot of people during lockdowns, it seems that a lot of people during lockdown actually um, just left their jobs. Uh, not a big percentage of the population, but a significant enough percentage of the population just said, "Listen, you know what? This whole thing is so ridiculous and so distress, so so depressing. It's made me refocus on." Uh, on, on what's really important, and I'm leaving my job, especially people who are uh, eligible for early retirement or who are at the yes. retirement age, just mm. out they go, you know, yeah. see you later. So that's caused a, a shortage in actual labour, yeah. labour supply, you know. Um, actually, put up the, it's, it's, it's on the Telegraph, uh, it's one of the Telegraph ones, Missing Workers Fuel Britain's Inflation Fears. Uh, rap- rapidly shrinking labour force combined with rising wages is fueling inflation and the dreaded rate, blah, blah. Uh, actually, it's a bit of a narrative at the beginning there. Um, it's just it's just giving an example of what's interesting though is if you go down to the third graph down the bottom. This is relative to the UK, but it's probably reflected in many other countries. UK shortages are most severe. Look at health; the one that sticks out the most or is the highest: health and social work. Mm. Right, that that's indicative of the people. I mean, it's indicative of, of what I was just saying, which is oh, that the pressures and stresses felt right, the by stress those is, impacted hardest right during the the pandemic and the fear mongering, as we talked previously, and which has been admitted to by governments how they used fear deliberately to to, to get people to comply with lockdown rules, and that fear and loathing that was you know spread throughout society was. Uh, Calling them heroes was, and clapping for them once a week apparently wasn't enough to no. Entice them well, it was stay. very much present in he- in people who were in in health and health uh, and social care, social work jobs. Uh, so that's that's in the thousands vacancies by industry in the thousands. These numbers are all up on last year, right? So they have a shortfall in actual people uh, available in the work in the workforce. Hospitality one fifty nine. That's the second one. That's obviously pretty pretty self explanatory there as well. They shut down <laughs> restaurants. I mean, people aren't going to sit and. People are, are, who are getting mothballed or who get, get, you know, told not to go to work for months and months at a time eventually just go, you know what, I'm going to look at maybe a different industry. I'm just not going to work anymore, whatever. Yeah. Especially if the government's paying my wages or they've increased unemployment benefits. I'm just going to take some time out basically and wait to see what happens. If they really want the whole thing to get back to normal, which they obviously don't, what they need to do is cut out the bullshit, stop the fear mongering, shut up about COVID, it's done. And let things really get back to normal. And let, the main thing you need to get back to normal after what they've done to people over the past 18 months is to improve, do the, undo the damage you've done to people's kind of perceptions and, you know, their, their mood, their, their, their mental state and the way they view the world in general. You need to get rid of all the things that contributed to that negative mental yeah. perspective on the world. But they're not doing that. They want no, to keep that going. No, you're, you're asking people who push things like zero COVID, zero carbon to undo... Stop the fear Undo right? the way they see everything. 
Because they live by fear-mongering, basically. They, they, they live by crisis generation. Yeah, they do, and that's, that's what it is in, in effect, in result. But the, the worst part about it is they really believe... <coughs> that they're saving the world. They're saving the world and the population. Yeah. Um, like, the zero-carbon thing, I mean, where do we start? Like, one of the things we discussed was, to what extent do they believe any of this? We've mentioned Boris, so let's let's open with him, will we? Um, yeah. I'm going to send this to Scotty. Hang on. <clears throat> Before Boris Johnson was Prime Minister, he was Mayor of London for two terms, I think. Um, he also dallied in journalism. He was a good writer, actually. He's written a couple of books as well. Mm -hmm. Boris was, was gassed because he was... The Telegraph's Brussels correspondent through the 90s <laughs> reporting on EU affairs and sending home the reports about bendy bananas and those bonkers Brussels bureaucrats, you yeah. know, riling up the conservative base, mm -hmm. you know. Anyway, that was part one of his incarnation. But another, he, he remained uh, an op-ed contributor to the Telegraph throughout his terms as mayor of London. So this is something he wrote in 2013. It's snowing and it really feels like the start of a mini ice age. Something is up with our winter weather. Not the global warming, right? Could it be that the sun is having a slow patch? As you scroll down... This is eight years ago. He lets on that he knows the real drivers, in, the main drivers in climate. The sun. Paragraph one. We are an arrogant lot these days and we tend to underestimate the importance of our governor and creator. He's referring to the sun in regulating so much of a climate. Sunspot cycles and so on. He gets into all that. Um, as a species, paragraph three, we human beings have become so blind with conceit and self-love that we genuinely believe that the fate of the planet is in our hands when the reality is that everything or almost everything depends on the behavior and caprice of the gigantic thermonuclear fireball around which we revolve. This is the same guy who's now the prime minister of the country who's just returned from the UN and gave to resounding applause, the most greeny, go, go, save the climate mm -hmm. speech you could possibly give. He couldn't have been more left greeny in his speech, in his remarks. When he's giving that, what happens psychologically here? Does he forget what he knows? He's, Which mean, is backed by science, what he's saying in that article yeah, from eight years ago. 100%. About the sun controlling the climate. He goes on to talk about everything from sea ice extent to, yeah, he basically gives the whole other side of the science equation that, the, the real one. The, the true real one. one. The more accurate one vis-a-vis -vis climate change. Mm -hmm. So he knows better. We know he knows so better. Let's assume so why he does knows he that, get up there and lie? He knows general. that and all of the rest of them know that. Yeah. So they know, know that carbon, human-made, human-caused climate change, it used to be global warming, is is not a thing. No. That human con humans' contributions... I mean, you can look up the studies yourself. I mean, you can look up the actual data on human carbon emissions and the like, far more carbon is emitted by the natural environment than, than, than by humans. Like human, human contributions are tiny. The, the best they can do is say that it was kind of like it, it, the extra bit the humans add <clears throat> is just pushing it over the edge or some bullshit like that, which is complete nonsense. You yeah. know? I mean, we, you can go back, people forget, but you can go back years and there was a uh, climate gate. What was that, 2013? Nine. 2009? Years ago, oh, right, yeah, yeah. 2009. COP, COP in Denmark. Right. When emails, it snowed, everyone arrived and it started snowing. Right. Emails were exposed or emails were leaked showing that 
inside the climate scientists, uh, you know, inside their den and inside their, their, pri- their private thoughts and the thoughts they the share ma- with each other. Yeah, in the UK. In the UK, that's but right. that's around the world by definition. Yeah. They were basically saying that they were massaging data, that they were, they were, they were interpreting the data in a specific way to serve a specific agenda, which was the green agenda, i.e. the, yeah. the human-caused climate change agenda. They had to, they were quoted as saying, we're going to have to hide this decline. Hide the decline in temperatures. They showed a decline in the global temperatures. Oops, this doesn't fit with Human, funding. Well, right. they don't say our right. money, but that's why they were motivated to right. keep it going, obviously. That's their immediate short-term need. Right. They're not doing it for some religio, no. highfalutin, global setting global policy right. purposes. They're just thinking of, I can't get the funding if I don't fix this data. Right. So let's assume they all know that. Mm-hmm. Why are they still pushing it? Why are governments still pushing it? That's it's a $64,000 $64, question. And remember, they're going to have to do it convincingly. Boris has to get up there at the UN and not give away that he knows better. I mean, he, he's got to say something. He's, the only thing I can think of is not so much that they're point blank lying and they're such empty vessels. I don't think Bojo is a psychopath based on the sound things he said and done mm-hmm. as a politician. He's mm-hmm. not just an out and out nut job. So the only plausible thing I can think is that they have some other narrative that is discussed behind closed doors when they go to meetings or when their advisors go to meetings, whether it be in Davos, but even, you know, just the smaller venues as well. Mm-hmm. What do they tell each other? What do they let on to each other that they don't, that they keep quiet when they go public? You know what I mean? There has to be some positive motivation for him to get up there and say, we're going to go green. Just last week, Boris Johnson's government announced Despite all the headlines about how crushing this winter will probably be because of rising gas prices, Mm -hmm. they're going to add a levy, a green tax on purchasing gas. At the consumer's end, people are going to pay a green tax to save the planet or to contribute to it. How does he do that? I don't think he does that because he's being a cruel bastard. I think he has, for some reason, his hands are tied. He's no choice. What is pushing that? I don't know. It's there's an elephant in this room, and <laughs> at least we can point out the fact that there is an elephant in this room and what it is. Maybe look, is these it, guys have access to shit tons of data. Okay, maybe they don't. They're very, very careful about what they publish. They will. We know, for example, there was a leaked Pentagon report from the early two thousands, which at least a summary of the report, because the full package was never released as to what their data was, what the claims were based on. But they talked about the return of Ice Age Siberia-like conditions in the United Kingdom by 2020, mm. 20 years ahead of time. So It's looking like they won't be far right, off. Right, but if that happens... So that's, accu- if, that's an evidence of accurate data in long-term planning. If they're still, if they're still on that, if, they're st- if they still believe that to be the case, which there's, you know, that's a reasonable estimation of what what might be coming in the future why would you why would you be, why would you not be building nuclear power plants and do, why would you not be doing the opposite of what you're doing i know yeah i mean if it's going to be it's, if it's going to be freezing certainly you don't want the if you're going into some kind of a cooling period well, you don't you don't want to be building uh, you don't want to be building putting in arrays of solar panels and, and shifting over from right. uh, coal or 
oil or gas to uh, solar panels. And if, if climate is going crazy, if, if uh, you're having, all, as they say, um, you have all sorts of, you know, chaos in, in, in the weather. Surely you would reach for stability and things that work yeah, to which, get you through short term at least. Yeah. You can still have your highfalutin goals uh, decades off. Right. Agenda 2030, 2050, whatever. But right now, why are you not, why are you doing the very things that will augment the instability in the near term? Yeah. That's the question. Okay, so before we try to answer it, let's just point out, first of all, that this is why, is it any wonder people will jump to the diabolical? The conspiracy, that they're conspiring to worsen things because they're evil. Basically, that's the main counter-narrative, conspiracy theory narrative that is, uh, well, fact-checked up the wazoo. Uh, Google said they will be punishing any content, including this channel, not that it probably won't matter to us, but any advertising revenue or monetization of anything that's counter to official climate change narratives they announced last week mm. will be how, punished in some way. I mean, this is, this is from just from yesterday. It's it's on actually on Zero Hedge. Um, this is interior, U.S. Interior Secretary. Well, have a look at that picture. It says wind turbines may soon line U.S. coasts. I mean, when you look at that picture, and imagine that all around the co all the co the two coasts or the three coasts, whatever of the U.S. Is that not does that not fit maybe with their could that not be said to fit with their planning for some kind of a major some kind of a major climactic shift kind of thing where um yeah maybe even an, a kind of mini ice age or a new cooling period and stuff where where crops are you know cr there's the growing season is, is curtailed and your crop shortage and food shortage maybe a large mass die off of a lot of people who are starving just a real food bar imagine the worst kind of case scenario you can imagine um where society grinds to a halt you know you no longer have maybe international shipping uh, of, of, of these resources and stuff. So maybe the whole thing on green energy is a way, is a, is a vision of a future, a pretty, pretty, you know, dark vision of a future where you have a lot less people on the planet or in, in specific countries. And society, global, the globalized society has broken down. You no longer have the kind of shipping, uh, in, international shipping that, that you have today. And countries are forced to rely on their own, resources mm -hmm. with a, with a with a shortened um with a, with a re much reduced uh, workforce i mean could that be part of their vision in their head that like masses of in this case windmills and solar panels uh, in, in any given country are, are kind of automated in a certain sense you mm -hmm. don't need a lot of people to maintain them or well maybe for when maybe for maybe for wind turbines you do but, maybe but then but, but you know what i mean it's automatically generating like yeah. i mean compare those two solar and wind to uh, extracting fossil fuels. It's quite a lot of people, quite a lot of machinery, uh, quite a lot of shipping here and there and everywhere. Far less than, than they used to require. Yeah, but still a it's lot. It's highly right? mechanized. Like that was the whole, in the UK, the whole, um, the strikes, the minor strikes in the 1980s. Yeah. I looked a bit of that before um, coming on here. And my recollection of it was that the UK simply made this decision to do away with coal as a fossil fuel. No. no, that's not what happened. They broke the labor unions because they had a stronghold on the miners, miners and how many workers, etc. Because they wanted mechanized, highly mechanized. Right. 
that continued to the 90s, do you know that the UK still has massive coal reserves? Mm-hmm. They could still. Yeah. In Look, fact, the, the pink, recently the they fired them back read, up again. They fired up. They're going because to Because of the energy shortage. They're a net importer of coal, mainly so from Russia. Right. They still burn yeah. coal at power plants. In the UK. Yeah, yeah. But, the ex- but, but extraction takes a lot of manual labor and stuff. You know what I mean? So what I'm seeing here, the only thing... You I think c- that the, they're trying to think of an infrastructure post-collapse... Yes, the point is it doesn't make sense. ...that is automated and functional with minimal human with impact. With minimal human impact because they're foreseeing that they're not going to have those human resources to, to extract and to process and to ship uh, carbon, uh, or sorry, uh, fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So they go for these relatively you know, autonomous uh, sources, you know, uh, missing the fact that, as we've said, if, but that's just they don't believe in climate change. I don't believe, it does, none of it makes sense. I mean, like I said, the main problem for me is that in a, in a world that is predicted and it's, we're already too late, so forget about it. It's not going to change. That's what we're told anyway. It's, and we're seeing the weather. We, we were, like I said, previously we, we published a, a monthly report on, on kind of crazy environmental and weather events around the world from across the world. And it has got really crazy over the past number of years. So climate change is happening. But it's being marked by chaotic weather patterns where either, you know, where there used to be a lot of wind, no wind. Yeah. Where there used, uh, and vice versa. Where there used to be a lot of rain, no rain, and vice versa. Um whether and, and solar then, and, well solar volcanoes uh erupting cloud uh, coverage is increasing generally right there's less solar right. opportunities so how where did that leave your wind and your solar so and, you, and even your hydro like because one of the reasons that china had a problem even though it's only a tiny percentage of its energy production it produce not a tiny it's about seven percent of its energy production is from hydro which basically means dams dams then that release water turn to turbine produce electricity but this past year overall in china despite the, there being massive downpours in localized areas causing yeah. serious flooding overall there wasn't as much rainfall as in previous years which means their hydro power generation was down hmm. so if there if you can see that that's what what's happening now i mean how do you and you don't you can't, can't know where that's going to happen so where do you put your windmills I where know. do you put your dams where do you put your solar panels well this is it what why double down and double down even in the face of direct near-term evidence that the wind turbines won't move because there's no wind right which is actually in the uk that's part do of their energy shortfall is that the wind didn't blow enough this past year that's part of the uk's current energy shortfall and them having to fire up coal plants is because their wind turbines didn't produce enough electricity because the wind and in direct quote the wind didn't blow enough in the uk the last year how do you get the wind to blow more can we get bill gates on that or something can he seed some wind in the atmosphere i don't know put some cows up in the atmosphere and have them well what was the thing you found out about um, the the upcoming COP climate convention. Yeah, they're all going to Glasgow, Glasgow or Edinburgh, Glasgow. Glen Eagles. Yeah, Glen Eagles Hotel, but it's the it's actual centre, the convention centre is Glen Eagles Hotel outside, about 50 miles outside uh, where the convention is, the COPD, uh, chronic, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. <laughs> uh, no, is that what they're talking about? No, they're talking about, what does COPD stand for? I can't remember. Climate something protocol? Protocol douchebag. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's it's not it's COP, isn't it? COP, COP, COP twenty six. Um, climate something panel. Anyway, yeah. Um, 
so they're staying in this big fancy hotel. <clears throat> All the great and the good in the world are coming to meet to talk about this thing that they don't obviously don't really believe in. Um, on a junket, basically. Or they do, but there's some other reasons for why they do. Well, who knows? But they're going to live hand the hog for for a weekend or a few days at the end of this month up in Scotland. They're staying in a hotel 50 miles from the the convention centre where they're having the talks, the Glen Eagles Hotel. And they have purchased a fleet of Teslas, electric cars, at 100 grand each to ferry... The delegates, they're, they're green asses from the airport. They're green the asses from the from the hotel to the airport. But the problem is at the airport, at the at the hotel, not the airport, to the convention center. But at the convention center or at the at the hotel where they're staying, they only have one uh, electricity jack for electric cars. So they're having to bring in da- diesel generators to supply the electricity for the Tesla cars that they're going to drive in as a show of their how green their asses are. <laughs> Uh, as they drive to the the meeting, it's you couldn't make it up, like. But there you go. It, yeah, it's obviously rank rank hypocrisy. But I don't know. Maybe they just think that. As one commentator I saw put it, they just think that by wishing it and wishing it and restating it and doing these photo ops to give the, somehow it's going to take hold. Mm. Uh, the energy sources will magically appear. Renewables will magically fill in the gaps. We've got to consider that which countries, we discussed this earlier, which countries have gone the furthest with this make-believe in attempting to make it force-fit with reality? It looks like Germany in Europe, of all of them, Britain is busy importing coal and gas mm-hmm. when it has to. But Germany's actually gone full green on this their last nuclear power station will close next year yeah that's it yeah but they've just uh, they're just they're in the process of of certifying um Nord Stream 2 you know what I mean uh huh straight into their country uh, a big giant Russian gas pipeline uh, so they're not that stupid Germ- Germany does have amongst European countries probably the highest uh renewable energy production it's probably something like it's maybe 20 percent 20 some percent but for most other european countries it's 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 a joke like uk the end result the final amount that they're actually able to to use uh, for their energy supply is about 10 percent france is similar spain similar italy probably even less and most other smaller european countries the same um so it doesn't and they can't that's as most most they can do i mean china what are you gonna do with china uh, China, the the <laughs> the factory of the world, right? How are you going to green China? China gives lip service to to greening its economy and that kind of stuff, and commits to carbon reduction emissions over X number of period, like over the, the next the carbon over the next five hundred years. Yeah, we'll get down to maybe uh, you know we'll reduce reduce it by half in in five hundred years because they have the same as everyone else. The carbon net zero by twenty fifty. Right, but they're ramping up coal production right now, massively ramp, ramping up coal production to. to to cater to the shortfall that most many countries are experiencing. Indonesia, that produces a lot of coal, can name its price to China uh, right now for, for coal. Um, China, probably about 50... I heard... It, it struck me the other day, I was just thinking about this, Elon Musk was talking a while ago, not sure how long ago, maybe two or three, a couple of years ago, whatever, talking to oil execs, and he said... 
he was asked about, you know, because he's an electric car man and all this kind of stuff. And he said, you know what, if uh, he made he made mention of, uh, he said, at some point in the future, you know, we will be talking about oil and gas in the same way we talk about coal. Or, or it'll be in the same, it'll be like talking about coal. He was basically dismissing coal as if coal is this ancient kind of thing that no one uses anymore. I'm like, dude, what world are you living? Do you know how much China, China's energy comes, 50% of China, China's energy comes from coal, coal plants, burning coal. And 30% of all finished products in the world come from China. Right. So, um, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But anyway, China, 50% of its energy comes from, from burning coal, about 20% from oil, about another 10% from gas, uh, and about, or it's it's up there in the 90s, basically. They add a bit of hydro in, and they're already past 90%. Uh, from hydro is the only thing, only significant, and it's not even significant. 80% from fossil fuels, basically, of China's energy production. And China's not going to tr- change that anytime soon, so... Forget about it. Do you know what I mean? It's not possible. If you want to continue to live in the world you want to live in, or, or to continue to live in the world we live in, and have all of the mod cons, especially in the West, much of which are supplied by China, and the other places that supply them are, are producing them with the same energy sources as China, then if you want to continue to have that, forget about it. You're not changing over to any green energy. I mean, you can do a little you token things here and there, but it's not happening. Um... But of course, there are people out there, real ideologues, uh, tree huggers, and stuff like that. And we're not dissing the idea that there is stuff that, you know, there are changes could, that could, could be, be done better, could be done better, uh, environmentally, and all that kind of stuff in terms of the way the industry functions. But there are a lot of people who I get the sense that there are a lot of people, the ideologues out there, who are pushing this, this, who are happy enough with the idea, or actually expect that know that it's going to require and are happy that uh, a kind of breakdown of the old system is necessary, that they know they're realistic yeah. enough to know that you can't do this gradual tr- phase transition to a green energy in the next thir- 20 or 30 years, that it's going to require a, a, a rough and painful break with the old way. And I'm sure in their minds it's you know some kind of a disastrous economic collapse, basically. Well, you saw how giddy many of them became when lockdowns were announced because yeah. COVID. Right. They were like, this can be done? Yeah. Well, look at this. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. How about if we just, you know, apply that mm-hmm. here? They won't get the same, they won't get the same shrift that government's got, though, with a scary virus. No. So they're banking on that. They're... They're, they, they, you make a good point. It's kind of like a revolutionary seed at the heart of this. They're waiting for the moment to strike. But what they need for their, quote, catastrophic and catalyzing event, to quote the uh, Pearl, Har- Pearl Harbor document from pre-9-11 mm-hmm. days, is for it all. It's kind of like the, the, uh, the anarchist creed, you know, let it all bring, burn to the bring ground. Down, bring down the patriarchy. Burn, let it all burn. Help it if you can. And then we'll rebuild the utopia. Yeah. Like the, uh, their narratives don't make sense here and there. Whether they're trying to say um, link specifically, like you can identify which exact CO2 in the atmosphere came from man-made production, right. which came from farting cows, and which came from belching volcanoes. 
no, you cannot do that. But you can keep believing that if you want because it gives you a metric that you can then insert into your models and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So they've got all these false assumptions. But I, I think there's something – there's some kind of vision. There's overlapping types of visions. But in general, they all share a kind of a, a futurist thing that's been going on for decades. You know, it would have infused a lot of sci-fi narrative writing, mm -hmm. fictional books in the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. you know, the Star Trek future and stuff like that. They have this futurist utopia in mind. Whatever about the reasons for needing to get there, they all come from different educations and backgrounds. But collectively, I suppose you could say there are many people on the earth in this time, let's say over the last several generations, who are in some way unconsciously motivated or aware, if that's a contradiction, I know, to be unconsciously aware, but that something is going on, that something it's is, that there it. is going to be some kind of before and after, mm. and that they have a futurist vision of how it will look. Mm. Um, some famous names, some French futurist, there are many people call themselves futurists now, but there was one guy, his name escapes me, maybe it was like ballet or something, and he's famous for these kind of 3D renderings of kind of water world type beautiful cities yeah. where everything much would be automated and there would be basically all would be leisure time. Mm -hmm. A bit like a, that's a kind of a con. Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab's fourth industrial revolution. You, you will know? own nothing and you will be happy. You will be happy. And when he's talking. Klaus Engel Schwab. How, when you're listening to him, how do you break down what he is? <clears throat> he and the, the contacts he makes with uh, industrial magnets and billionaires and whatnot and bankers, how do you break down what they are willing into being versus what they claim? Klaus Schwab exactly will happened. claim, no, 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 I, I am merely observing the trends and the trends are all taking us to this place. We must, we, the trends are separate from us yeah. and we must adapt ourselves so that we are so in line with the trends. So as, as he sees so it. So that we get the chip in the brain. <laughs> the brain, for example. Or the nanorobots that clean up our poop yes, inside us. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> I, I, Klaus Fabi had a very, very hard time. I'm starting to Is he Chinese? No. Uh, <laughs> he has a very hard time with the, uh, the poop cleaning in his house. <laughs> and he wants the nanorobots to... Uh, you know what I mean, though? Like, yes. they will present what they're saying. As they see it, it's not that... Their, their defense would be, hang on a second, I'm not conspiratorially willing this stuff into being. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm downloading it. I'm, I'm, I'm observing the trends of where this is all going. As, so that, what is this, just natural evolution or something like that? Is, is, Very no, much. No, that is so, at the core. So there are no actors on the world stage then? Nobody makes anything happen? This is where you got, like, obviously he's wrong. Because otherwise, it, to believe him, it's purely deterministic. Humans have no agency. They have no real genuine thought except for us lofty elite, mm -hmm. that, you know, class and friends. We and, that, and we then have a responsibility to help make sure that they take us in a, a good direction rather right. than a bad one as a herd, as a mass, you know. Right. So with, the the, with just the right inserts here and there of our input, we have agency, of course, things will be fine. Just the right brain inserts, brain implants. Well, the whole transhumanism thing, they, they genuinely believe it is natural evolution. AI is a natural output of it's where human consciousness was always going to go. Mm. Um, well, can so we, how do you separate 
if they want to upload their their brains or their consciousness into a into a onto a computer into a hard drive or something like that, you know, or a computer, some kind of a computer, I'm they should go ahead and do it. They should off themselves, upload their consciousness into a hard drive, and I'll take it and bury it in the desert. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> or yeah. fire it into space. <laughs> or shoot it into the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to know. It's hard. I mean, all you can do is look at what's actually going on, how it doesn't make sense, and trying to figure out yeah. what is in the minds of these people. But it, there's it, a, you've got two conclusions. A big element One, of, of it is purity as well. Purity of what? Well, you notice the puritanical flavor yeah, of all yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, emissions. Can you imagine Klaus Schwab's house? <laughs> or his Never mind his, his, his own head. internal thoughts. Like uh, the whole emissions. It's it's bad emissions. Oh, emissions. It's similar with smoking. You, you shouldn't smoke. In fact, we're going to legislate and tell you not to smoke yeah. because the emissions you're giving off yeah. um, upset me. Yeah. I, I really don't want... I want a clean air. They're all, phob- clean they're all germaphobes then. They're all germaphobes and that links into the virus. And they want a the pristine earth with no dirty humans on it. Pris- and just them. Some, some smelly slaves to do all work for us. Well, look what they've done in practice so far. They haven't actually cut down on global pollution in any real effect. No, there's they've pushed, up. but they've cleaned. They have substantially cleaned up, namely the cities they inhabit, mostly in the West, mm. and pushed all that shit, all those emissions off into lithium mines in Africa, etc., mm. etc. Et so so far, it's working in a sense by hiding and probably massively increasing mm. the actual pollution results oh, globally. Yeah. Emissions, oh, human. Waste products, you yeah. know, of course, it's a bit of a, I don't know how real it is or not because it was hyped as well, but the whole plastic gyres in the oceans. And stuff, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, we have taken a great big dump in the oceans. They are definitely suffering as a result of that. Well, well I don't think they'll, um, the oceans will sort themselves out. Like. Exactly. That's the thing. When there's, micro- the end of the day, when there's uh, microbes that can eat oil, you know, I mean. Uh, um, so that purity thing is, don't underestimate, that's a big driver, like. When you're elite, when you're elite, plastic. Sorry, I meant to say. Right. When you're part of the elite, Same and thing. you've had a, you've had, I mean, you've had a nice, clean upbringing, but you do still have to interact with those people, and you occasionally get a waft of their emissions. Yeah, it's awful. You can imagine Prince Charles when he goes out and he sees stuff, and he's like, "This is awful, awful," <laughs> because he's so used to, and and that they they That's feel sanitized. maybe that that great mass out there, which has increased in numbers decade on decade. Is encroaching more and more on their so we're still with the great un- spaces. The great unwashed then is the problem. This is a big. That's a big factor in this. Yeah, and that's why it's not wrong. It's not far off for people to to, talk uh, about to frame so. it. If not that, but at least to frame it in terms of an elite and what they want and what they think is best for the world, and the others who can just go to hell. Mm. If deep, deep, depopulation is a is it an intentional? I don't think so. I, I, well, it's not. It's not that they're going to. I think it's going to be. Going to be I think that's what I we're think, looking at. I it's think. Going to I be. think they have the idea of a depopulation, but some of them, anyway, are aware that cyclically or periodically naturally, in human history, there is a depopulation that comes along either through environmental crises. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of them, right? Just general upheaval on the planet uh, or an ice age or a comet impact or a plague or a virus outbreak. It happens, right? Yeah. And I mean, who knows what these people are hooked into? I mean, it's uh, obviously everybody thinks those things are things that happen in the long distance, pa- long distance past and that for some reason, because we're technologically advanced compared to then, 
that won't happen. But that doesn't follow, you know what I mean? Obviously, mm -hmm. those forces that cause those kind of periodic die-offs of the human population have nothing to do whether or not you're technologically or not advanced, you know what I mean? They're forces that are way beyond any technology the humans could ever uh, control or, or, or really foresee, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe they have some understanding of that or maybe they, 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 they read up on that stuff and they, when they talk about, they don't talk, they're not ta we're not talking about them depopulating the planet consciously, uh, but them being aware that that is a natural process that they suspect at some point in the future, in the near future, may be on the cards and they want to prepare for it. Who knows? I know that's conspiratorial. Yeah. That sounds like a conspiracy, but, but again, it fits, with, it fits with what's happening. It fits with uh, what they're doing and the fact that what they're doing doesn't make any sense. What, what they say and what they do are are, are in opposition to each other yeah. or, or what they're claiming the solution is doesn't m make any sense uh, on paper. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the problem. The problem is that given that you're forced to come up with some other explanation to try and understand why, uh, why this is happening, you know, um, just go to the, I just want to go back to, uh, ABC News, Scotty, um, about America's, because, you know, we want to remind people that uh, this uh, supply chain business isn't, supply chain problems isn't going away, energy problems slash supply chain problems aren't, aren't going away. Do you have it there? ABCnews.go.com, yeah. Uh, no, the other one. <laughs> What's causing America's... That's an interesting one in itself, but um, don't seem to have that one. No, is this the one where the deputy secretary no. of the treasury no, gave, gave you, a solution to supply? Do you chain? have that? I have the video of it. Yeah, yeah. Put that up, and then we'll put mine up. Okay, um, that's the video I sent you, Scotty. This is um, one minute from the interview on ABC a couple of days ago of the U.S. Deputy Secretary for the Treasury, Wally... Wally, Ad Wally... Ademeo. Another impact of this backlog is how it's contributed to rising prices. Leaders like Treasury Secretary Yellen and Fed Chair Jerome Powell have said that inflation will be temporary as the economy more fully reopens. But how concerned should Americans be about high prices staying with us longer and eating into their pocketbooks? Stephanie, you're right that today we face an economy that's in transition. And as part of that transition, we are seeing high prices for some of the things that people have to buy. That's exactly why the president was focused on the American Rescue Plan and ensuring that we got stimulus into the hands of the American people so they'd be able to buy the products that they need. But the reality is that the only way we're going to get to a place where we work through this transition is if everyone in America and everyone around the world gets vaccinated. That's why the president continues to be focused on the idea that we get uh -huh. everyone who can vaccinated in this country. And that while we're doing that, we continue to provide the kind of resources the American people need to make it to the other side. So, so uh, make it to the other side. How, how, how did that connect? I don't understand the connection between, so you have coming out of the pandemic, uh, supply chain problems um, as a result of lockdowns. So I suppose there's a connection there that, lock, well, it's an implied threat that lockdowns will continue unless you get vaccinated. Uh-huh, that. Even though lockdowns aren't necessary, 
in order to have an effect on viral spread because uh, vaccinated people uh, carry and transmit virus as much as unvaccinated people. So it's got nothing to do. So he's missing that piece of information, I suppose. He's the Treasury Secretary, so I suppose we don't uh, expect him to be well up on on the science, but the bottom line is what he just, just said is, is a load of bullshit. Like it's it's a, it's it's a, it pla- it, when you t- when you add in the fact we can allow that he doesn't understand that, but if he does understand it, uh, then it's a, it's a threat basically. It's it's backing up what we've seen across the board. The general the general feel of um, a lot of statements by government leaders around the world have been that uh, the goal is for everybody to get vaccinated, and if you don't you're going to be in trouble. Uh, well, as in, they've disconnected it. They don't talk about it much anymore. They disconnect it from any kind of uh, claim that not getting, not vaccinating the whole population will lead to viral spread, blah, blah, blah. It's just get vaccinated. Get the damn shot yeah, or else. Shut up and get the damn shot but or else. the threat is a threat he is not in a position to wield unless the cons- there's a conspiracy afoot in which the supply chain issues are being deliberately done by government. Exacerbated, or at least exacerbated. Is he implying that? Um, I, I, I think he's trying to claim agency for the US government for that. I.e., we can fix it. It's in our power to fix what we broke right. in March 2020 by if announcing you get the vaccinated. They don't have that power. This is, I don't think, well, this just, is beyond government. Just go to that ABC News one then, because it actually gives a... a fairly decent explanation of what the problem is in terms of the supply chain business and why there are shortages. Um, supply chain disruptions across the country are driving up prices and leading to growing shortage of goods. Around the world have caused record shortage of many products that American consumers are used to having readily available, like Twinkies. No, sorry, from household goods to electronics to automobiles. Moody's Analytics warned the problems will likely get worse before they get better. As the global economy continues to gather steam, but not really, what is increasingly apparent is how it will be stymied by supply chain disruptions that are now showing up at every corner. And then just down a little bit. Uh, What's causing the disruptions? Analysts say that the lingering effects of COVID-19 mitigation strategies essentially reduce the production of goods and services. Yeah, duh. But again, okay, COVID-19 mitigation strategies, lockdowns. And the supply chain shortages now happening are the result of struggles to return to pre-pandemic levels. The result of that imbalance between supply and demand eliminated all the inventory and eliminated all the grease that allows the wheels of commerce to work smoothly. Not enough warehouse workers, truck drivers. Including a growing number of workers quitting jobs key to keeping things running smoothly, which is what we just mentioned before. That's happening in the UK as well, as you showed with that graph. A record 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs in August, the most since the Department of Labor started tracking this data in 2000. You have a bunch of sectors, here's part of the problem as well, you have a bunch of sectors that that just pay minimum wage and labor is just going to veer over to where it finds the most profit. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. American Trucking Association, short 60,000 drivers, shortage of drivers. So what happens now? Down below the picture. 
Biden administration has made a concerted effort to try to, this answers your question maybe, that Biden administration has made a concerted effort to try to close supply chain gaps and has pushed the president's infrastructure plan as a means of addressing systemic supply chain issues. Um, of course, they could do that or they could not, right? Yeah. Um, but government, the Biden administration, the, <coughs> the rest of the paragraph, mm -hmm. Biden announced that the Port of Los Angeles would begin 24-7 operations to ease bottlenecks. Los Angeles supplies mm -hmm. something like 40% right. of the country's products. Well, the head of the port says, no, <laughs> we can't do that. Biden can say that if it makes him feel good. We can't just do that. We don't have enough people to do that. So again, the claiming, claiming that it's within government's capacity to do some of these things when they don't have it. So much of this is just rhetoric. You know, there is an underlying issue. Mm -hmm. They don't have anywhere near the agency they claim. The agency they do have is to break things. This is where we go back to March 2020 when we said they're going to break the system. It might take time to kick in. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's, it's kicking in now, big time. Uh, well, have an, there's another one here in the tel look at the Telegraph, uh, Scotty. Manufacturers demand action over cartel-like shipping costs. Um, there's another one. Um, we've talked about this before as well. The price being paid for a 40-foot container from East Asia to Europe is ten thousand pounds. That's about what, like almost fifteen thousand dollars. About ten times higher that, than at the onset of the pandemic. Uh, so this article basically claims that, uh, well, makes the makes the argument that and, and, and cites certain people complaining about the fact that the shipping industry, of course, this is all part of it as well, right? People are going to try and capitalize on on any crisis, uh, just of as course. just as governments capitalize on crises, so do so does industry. So people and people who were, like we said before, became monopolies in the preceding decades. You can't then point to them and say, "Hey, you're behaving like cartels." They're you you ones. encouraged. Acquisitions monopolies. That's yes. how the world was set up. And if it was dangerous, well, that's your fault for then saying, okay, let's shut everything down and just reboot it. Yeah. Uh, the other telegraph <laughs> chips down. Um, this is going to shock people. Fry bag shortage hits Burger King. Fast food chains are facing the prospect of chip bag shortages ahead of the busy half-term break. Burger King is understood to be grappling with a shortage of fry bags in the latest sign of supply chain woes. Until recently, the chain had been experiencing shortages of plastic cup lids. People are going to lose their shit. I mean, if I go to Burger King and I can't get a cup, a, a, a lid on my, on my plastic cup of my frappa, frappa wappuccino or, or if... I mean, I'll spill it before I get back to the car. Yeah, and the bags, what if, they have, what if, what if I have my fries come in like a... a Newspaper. A, yeah, and there's ink on it or something. Uh, but don't worry, Burger King is working on various measures to ensure the latest supply shortage does not hit orders. Earlier this year, McDonald's ran out of milkshakes and bottled drinks at some of its restaurants. Parts of America went into meltdown. People started killing each other. It doesn't say that. No, because uh, there was no milkshakes. Um, yeah, well, there's, just to go down a little bit, there's, there's a graph there. Um Large good vehicle drivers and employment um, from 2016 to you're looking at about a 50,000 shortfall uh, over the past five years in the UK. And again, lockdowns, government did this. If this, if this 
goes where we expect it to go and people start to really complain and have something to complain to government about or, or complain in general about because they're not getting what they want or get, not getting what they need, uh, then all you have to do is look, expect us to be reminding people that all they have to do is look to government and their ridiculous lockdown strategies. Uh, they're punitive, draconian, fascist lockdowns. Totally unnecessary, <clears throat> totally counterproductive. Annette in the chat room says that uh, a friend was recently told that trying to organize a wedding, mm. <clears throat> how much they're going to cost. And he was told that uh, the final price will depend on inflation. Mm. But even, I presume that's months out, months or weeks out, individuals, never mind businesses, this is, this is key to how anything works Bus at the business level, never mind at the retail level. You need to know. You have to have predictability of things ahead to say yes to that deal. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's going to hit six right. months hence, and I can reasonably expect X return one year hence, right. and therefore plan. You can't plan if you don't know. Right. That's part of why everything's sclerotic. Go to there's one more Sunday Times, Times bed blocking. Um, Bed blocking sources, care home struggle. This is again is we mentioned the graph previously, where you had the biggest labour shortage is in health and social care uh, workers in the yeah. UK as a result of lockdowns. Again, draconian, ridiculous, fascist, counterproductive lockdowns. Um, record number stuck in hospitals in the UK. Record number stuck in hospital because of a lack of staff. And again, this. Lack of staff to look after them. And this this is replicated across the Western world, I'd say, to one extent or another. But if you looked at the third paragraph there, despite that, so a lack of staff to care for people who are in hospital and they're just being left there because they can't actually get the treatment, so they just leave them in hospital to, and do nothing with them, I, I suppose. But the health secretary, the UK health secretary, has refused to pause a requirement for care home staff to be fully vaccinated. And that's a reference to not only in that graph we saw of the shortage in healthcare staff in the UK, it's not just because of lockdown, although it was a major percentage of it, it's also because of these mandates. Uh, and the UK government is refusing to withdraw the mandates, meaning that significant numbers of people are leaving healthcare uh, jobs and people are starving. And this is this was all about a health crisis, right? This was to protect the elderly, right? Protect the most vulnerable, protect those in need. You see, across the board... So reckless. It's either them doing exactly the opposite of what they said they would do or what they claimed they were doing or to save they're lives. completely feckless. Yeah, they're completely reckless, feckless, ignorant people yeah. uh, who don't know what they're doing and don't care. There's well, no other conclusion. Ideological extremism will explain it. Well, that's just reckless fecklessness as well. Yeah. And that's a different term for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but reckless you, idiocy. We do, like you discussed, we do leave it open to how much, what kind of vision Long term, longer term, your Davos set has in mind, you know. Yeah. Um, there's another article, the one you showed me earlier in the week, um, about the before times from CNN. The can before you, times. Can you pull that up, Scotty? Do you have the before times? It, this is seeping into the narrative around all of this, both COVID and climate change. You know what I mean? It's... Um, uh, no, nobody knows what's going on and yet everyone seems to have there seems to be a consensus view mm -hmm. that we're on the cusp of something like 
the guy previously, Wally, mm-hmm. he said, well, Stephanie, in this economic transition, this mm-hmm. time of economic transition. Yeah, we're transitioning to something. You know? What are we looking at here? Um, did you find it? No? Okay. What's the article called? The one I just sent you. Grocery store shelves um, aren't going back to normal. Yeah. From the last week, CNN reports that grocery store shelves aren't going back to normal this year. And look at the first paragraph. If you hoped grocery stores this fall and winter would look back would look like they did in the before times, with limitless options stretching out before you in the snack, drink, candy, and frozen food aisles, get ready for some disappointing news. For for some harrowing news, no. If I can't get my candy, <laughs> then. There's a problem. We can laugh at this. The before times. So does that mean we're in the after times? What are the times we're in now? It's after, I guess. After times. This this is what... AT and before. They they seem to be... In general, the consensus coming from the top down and out is that... um, Even though they, they can't explain it well... And they don't explain it. It's completely confusing, the narrative mixing. But there is a consensus that the world is about to change completely. And somehow, COVID, the lockdowns... No, the COVID did it. The pandemic did it. The pandemic well, that came upon us out of nowhere. They're, they're going that to was s- purely <clears throat> natural and came from a bat and it's just all natural selection. No, but that, we know that's not what it is. Well, everybody it, it should know that's not what it is. It came from a lab and lockdowns were, were destructive and pointless and counterproductive. That's the answer. And any negative effects are a result of that. The fact that, first of all, they, and I don't mean China, released a virus on purpose. And B, they then went ahead and imposed totalitarian lockdowns on the population and you know, seriously damaged the, the economy uh, in a way that is yet to be fully seen. So, um, but on that point, go to that, uh, the other ABC News one you were looking at there, Scotty, um, that you pulled up, report concludes. This is how, it just drives me bonkers, basically. Um, so the UK, just a couple of days, last week, um, this week, had a, a parliamentary report into our investigation and, you know, produced a report into, um, about Britain's... This is when they hauled up, what's his name? Coronavirus response. The, the former Eminence Grease. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Who, Witty? Not Witty. The guy who was the, supposedly Mr. Brexit. He's the one who helped... Ferguson. No, he's not, not, not a science guy. Um, ah. The Baldy guy? Yeah, the Baldy guy. Yeah, him. Anyway, yeah. So this was a report into Britain, the UK's... Dominic Cummings. Yeah, Dominic Cummings, into the COVID-19 pandemic. And the report concludes, that's pretty much a good summation of it, the UK waited too long for virus lockdown. Not that the lockdown was ridiculous and uh, extreme and for the first time in the history of epidemiology and illness, not only did they completely throw out the idea of herd immunity, but they also locked down the healthy that wasn't part of the criticism. The criticism was that I didn't do it long enough or soon enough or hard enough. But don't worry, we've learned the lesson. And next time, of which there will be, pretty soon hopefully, uh, I'm speaking for them here, 
will do a very hard and fast, no questions asked, no allowances uh, given lockdown, and you'll know what to do. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, Yeah, it's been a running theme in the British press throughout this, and they hauled up Dominic Cummings to dish the dirt and he, on how slow Boris was on the uptake. Well, you know what he actually said about Boris as well, and this is why I give Boris, a, as we kind of have at the beginning of the show, giving, giving Boris a bit of a pass, even though people, you know, he's kind of like a Trump figure in a certain sense. It's easy to laugh at him and criticise him for the way he looks and the way he acts and the way he talks and that kind of stuff. But um, Dominic Cummings, this kind of advisor that was then fired to, 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 to Johnson, said, um, accused Johnson of, and I think that was a case because uh, of the way things that Johnson had said publicly at the time, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, that he just wanted to let the virus rip through the population and just let the let the chips fall. Let the chips, let, let the chips fall where they may, uh, which would have been, uh, in hindsight and in foresight, would have been the most rational, scientific, least destructive, least destructive, least, way to least go fatal. About. Yeah, uh, along with. Allowing, as you said at the beginning of the show, allowing, uh, not holding back on known antiviral uh, yeah. drugs that would have made this so-called pandemic into, uh, you know, something very much less than a, a blip on our radar. Yeah. But they turned it into a, a crisis and they're exploiting it all the way and they're not willing to give it up, um, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, Australia... Still going strong. They're kind of like making talk, making sounds about maybe um, easing up and some stuff. But if you just go to that Twitter, <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, the first Twitter, uh, the second Twitter, Florian Filippo um, Twitter video. Um, yeah, this is Australia. So this guy's out. Uh, this guy's out and he's just having a walk in the park, which you're allowed to do for one hour a day. Um, but there are police in the park and they're not stopping him for walking in the park because, you know, He's allowed to be there for one hour. Um, what they are stopping for is that he's not wearing a mask. Go ahead and play it there. I work out. Uh, if you just mind if I check if there's actually anything in that? Oh, yeah. There's uh, a in there. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you. Jesus loves you all. God bless. I'll be praying for you all. Jesus loves you all. So, um, the cop was. Jesus the cops, does not love them. But no, okay, yeah. The cops are there to check that people not wearing masks and holding coffee cups actually have coffee in their cups. So they can justify wearing a mask. If your coffee cup's empty, if you've finished it and you still haven't put your mask on in a park on your own, the cops are going to tell you to put your mask on. Um, <clears throat> so the coffee checkers. And if you don't, you'll be handcuffed and forcibly arrested. Coffee cup checkers. So, um, yeah. Uh, there, I have another report. This is um, the Telegraphs in the UK. This isn't like just, you know, someone tweeting. It's from an Australian reporter writing for the the British Telegraph. Um, getting into Australia has been near impossible. Getting out requires a North Korea-style exit permit. Border closures have separated families and caused untold heart hardship. Babies have, di have died unable to access ur urgent medical attention at the nearest hospital across a locked state border. Thousands of holidaymakers who were travelling when the border closures were imposed have been made homeless, some having to sleep in cars or live for months in refugee-style campsites, unable to return home even if they have been double-vaccinated. Double it's, yeah, that is, I mean, that is extreme. I think, I'm pretty sure intra-EU travel 
for anyone who was caught when a lockdown was issued, you could still like go of back, course, yep. go back home. Yeah, they're not they're not going to live in your car for months. Australia has been so tight with that in the states that did lockdown. Obviously, it wasn't intended this way, but what. In, in, in hindsight, what Australia has served, the purpose Australia has served is to make people who are in, in other countries who are already in other Western countries who are who might complain about the right. extremity or extremeness of the uh, of, of the lockdowns and the draconian measures the government are, are unnecessarily imposing on them. They can point to Australia and say, well, it could be worse. I'm pretty sure some leaders have, have done that, haven't they? Yeah. At least they didn't. Yeah, Australia. they have made reference to Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't make it right. Like Jacinda anyway. Ahern. Yeah. Next door. Right. Don't complain, at least this isn't Australia. Yeah. Um, Biden. I want to have a word from Biden here. He's got something to tell you, Neil. Something that you've been on about for a long time. And uh, I want to get your comments on it. All right. It's the other Twitter on there, Scotty. Ignore fewer please. democracies in the world today than we did 15 years ago. Fewer. Not more, fewer. We have fewer democracies in the world today than we did 15 years ago. Fewer. Not more, fewer. What the hell's wrong with his face? He's angry. Is that CGI? No, that's real. That's, that's a real Biden. That's his Biden that. face. That's, that's his angry Biden. face. That's his, look at that. I that's have no idea saying. what he's talking about. What is There's he fewer democracies in the world than there were 15 years ago. Not more, fewer. And he's angry about that. And that's why he's going he's gonna to fix them, fix the world. He's going to restore America, America's place in the world by, uh, or restore America's role in the world by put, um, uh, imposing more democracies. Well, what is he talking about? There are fewer democracies. Which countries have changed their constitution uh, in the last 15 not, years? Well, you know, I don't know, some, I don't know. He was angry about it though. Do you notice he was angry? Um, it's bullshit. There's probably only about 15 countries left that are not formally Republican or democracy. Yeah. What's he talking about? Well, maybe there are. I don't know. He's got some stats there from the CIA fact book uh, that, that somebody pushed in front of him. But, uh, well, obviously, the, the point is that over the past 15 years, uh, America has, uh, hasn't exactly done much to uh, encourage... Uh, the spread of freedom and democracy in the world. Okay, so. <clears throat> whatever he means by that, then yeah, I suppose there's less of it. There's yeah. less U.S. worship of how we do things out there in the world yeah. today. Yeah, well, he's, he's pushing back against... Like the, rigging our elections. Yeah, he's pushing back against the Trump era kind of isolationist, uh, isolationist policies or, or rhetoric and the, uh, you know, the populist... Uh, Conservative yeah, mindset. He's probably obviously. talking about Eastern European countries. Yeah, he's talking about America's rightful role in the world, which is to go and spread freedom and democracy around the world. Of course, he said, I think in that speech, he said, "We're not going to, you know, it's not by force, but we we lead by example." So we need to have more democracy in America, so that everybody around the world can imitate our glorious democracies. Right. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the ozone hole? Yeah. Oh yeah. What happened to that? That pretty much got the ball rolling on this whole thing. People were told night after night in the late Ozone 80s. Like, don't go outside. No, don't use hairspray. But also don't go outside. And don't you use your fridge or throw sun. it away or buy one of these new green kinds. 
Fridges especially, hairsprays, deodorant, lots yeah. of aerosols. No? CF, well, CFCs. Well, there was a lot of hairsprays used in the 80s. In the 80s, 80s there was no? a lot. Yeah. Or maybe it was good that it was stopped. But yeah. it led to the Montreal Protocol. Right. In which a whole raft of things were banned or they weren't allowed to use CFC chemicals and stuff. Right. The theory was man was using too much hairspray, among other things. Yeah. And it was causing a hole. In the ozone layer. In the and ozone if you went layer. out in the sun, you'd get burned. Exactly. They're and crisp. then it would, get, it would cause uh, spikes in, ca- in skin cancer. Yeah. And uh, probably, issues with the health system. They probably... I was at the, hospitals. That was the point where they saw spikes in skin cancer from people using toxic chemicals and sunscreens on their... On their, on their uh, on their bodies uh, for the past uh, 30, 30 years or the 30 years before that. Anyway, I digress. Among other things, I mean, you know, there's, there's so many things that they try to blame. But anyway, this one thing was the fault of someone. And it, but it, it led to the first, the kind of equivalent of the Kyoto Protocol, which is today's zero carbon emissions by 2050. It was the first global UN-led agreement in 1987, the Montreal Protocol. Mm-hmm. In recent years, they quietly reported that the ozone hole it's is stronger as small, than small is gone than has ever been. Right. They also reflected on the fact that its variance—it's a seasonal thing. It, it opens and closes every year. But we didn't know. And the extent to which it opens and recloses has been growing. So there's variation that's increasing. In other words. They haven't admitted it, but between the lines, they've realized it's a completely natural function. And it's <gasps> largely cosmic That's a bad factors. Word, natural. The sun that regulates the opening and closing of something. And nothing to do with what humans were doing. But, but, but with but, that but, was built the whole – on top of that was built the whole you can, you can fix the coming – you can stave off the coming climate crisis – by lowering your carbon footprint. But 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 I want everything to be uh, uh, a result of what I do. Yeah. It isn't. The I world be, doesn't revolve around you. I want to be the, the, sun, the sun king. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the sun. It gets all the important All jobs. the credit. Exactly. Man is not at the center of the universe. <laughs> Whatever. I thought we learned all this with, you know... Galileo, five hundred years know? ago, but apparently not. He didn't have science. <laughs> he didn't have. Sorry, he didn't have the science. He may have. He may have had science, but not the science. He didn't, certainly didn't follow it, as far as I remember. Another weird flashback: the first leader, like then current actual leader of a country to give a sky is falling climate change speech we have to act now was margaret thatcher mm-hmm. british conservative she leader started all. in 1989 well i'm not surprised it, well the well, rhetoric actually. and the narrative and the, the forming of it precedes her of course mm-hmm. but the first time it was like brought home to a national audience in 1989 she gave this whole speech at the tory party the conservative party conference and then went to the UN and gave the first um, sky is falling, climate change, green the planet now speech hmm. in 89. And so in, in the intervening years, of course, you've got Boris Johnson, 
He knows better. We know he knows better. Mm -hmm. But now, three weeks ago, he goes to the UN General Assembly and gives the same speech. Mm -hmm. It's 30 years old. It's just narcissism, isn't it? It's just pure narcissism for a lot of people. If, I mean, it, it appeals to their, it appeals to politicians uh, because it gives them a crisis that they have to solve and they have to protect yeah. the people. Yeah. Those, those, those aspects of, of governance and, and the relationship between the people and, 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 and the state or people and, and government uh, are there and right you know, front and center. They're like, it's a crisis. Uh, you're in danger. And only we can solve the problem. It, yeah. It's job justification <clears throat> for politicians, which explains Anything a lot of why it was taken up by a lot of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least Anything the, that goes wrong, well, it's your fault, but also, we can fix it. We can help you to save yourself. It reminds me of the incident that happened in Norway this week. Um, bizarre, right? A guy with bow and arrow killed yeah. five people. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. It, it occurred on the last day of the outgoing government. Right. And so it ended up with the outgoing prime minister and the incoming sharing the podium in front of a press conference to mm -hmm. say a terrible, you know, a terrible tragedy. The outgoing prime minister said, the statement, in a statement that was cited globally in the media, um, it's all fine now. He's in police custody. The police are back in control of the situation. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that they want to tell people. It doesn't matter what it is, what yeah. the bad is, what the potential threat is from anything. Mm -hmm. It's okay. The police are in control of the situation. If you look at the details of what happened, the police Very completely true. effed up the situation. Yep. They were trying to arrest him before he killed anyone. But, quote, they had to hide. They had to run away from him because he was shooting bow and arrows at uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and thus the guy then went on to kill five more people five people and fatal, uh, badly injured two more including an off-duty cop mm -hmm. where were the police yeah but still worry, in the reporting of it the police it's everything's fine police everything's in control yeah no that's not what mm -hmm. happened you mm -hmm. were not in control of the situation you're coming in Johnny come lately after the fact you were useless mm -hmm. basically so yeah, at the at the small level, at the big level, it's People all messaging that you know everything's fine, everything's fine. No, everything is not fine. Things are really messed up. Whenever government does intervene, it's usually not always, of course, but often messes things right up. Lockdowns, of course. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. want to talk about? Um, what happened in Lebanon? You can talk about it. <laughs> I'll listen. Um, yeah, let, well, we mentioned it in passing uh, the last few weeks. It's, it's one crisis after another. First, they had actual major petrol shortages, gas stations. Um, then two days of blackouts. Yeah. And last week, um, at a protest probably organized by Hezbollah, because there were a lot of its supporters on the streets, a protest about the government's handling of the port explosion, in quote, accidental ex explosion in August last year. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that just made everything... That, the country's had ongoing economic problems, but it's just like a nosedive further after that event. Mm -hmm. And then last week, um, mystery snipers from rooftops shot and killed at least five people with mm -hmm. headshots. 
Um, I say mystery snipers because they couldn't catch them. Supporters of Hezbollah who were armed open, returned fire from wherever they thought the, the, the sniper was firing from. No one was caught. It just reminded me of, uh, well, Kiev comes to mind, mystery snipers, rooftops, firing on protesters. Never helps a government. In that case, it was the key event that pushed things over the edge in Kiev into full regime change. Mm -hmm. um, it happened, of course, during the the height of the tension in Cairo during their two revolutions and counter-revolutions around 2011. Right. Mr. Gunman just yeah. started taking pot shots of protesters. Mm -hmm. It's so effective because the government's like, People just lose their shit, mm. obviously, in the moment and then thereafter because it's so traumatic. And who do they look up to? Well, the government, yeah. no one else, they presume, has the capacity to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it, it breeds conspiracy and suspicion and distrust in a country. The bottom line on Lebanon is like in, from the port, well, going back years, going back to uh, Sabra and Shisela in 1982, uh, the bottom line on Lebanon is that anything that Anything bad that happens in Lebanon, any, you know, anything that damages the government, damages society, you always first and foremost have to look at Israel because Israel has had Lebanon in its sights for a very long time and there's, there's all sorts of infiltration in Lebanon by Israeli uh, agents and they're up to no good for sure and they have, you know, they see it as an existential, existential issue for them to, obviously, to protect Israel. So, um, and Hezbollah in, in Lebanon obviously is a powerful force in, in Lebanon and it's seen as a major threat to uh, and it forms you know a significant part of the government and it's seen as a major threat to Israel so the Israelis are have for a long time been gunning for for Lebanon and anything they I mean I'm, I'm totally open to the idea that, that uh, the Beirut bombing uh, port explosion yeah uh, with the, the fertilizer bomb was uh, not on purpose you know, yeah. it really screwed over the, the, the whole situation and made it an already bad situation worse. And then since then, of course, you know, not necessarily the the fuel shortage and that kind of stuff, but who knows, you know. But certainly the way since that bombing last, was the last it was last year, right? Last year, um, last August, yeah. You know, they're still kind of recovering from, from it. It kind of like weakens the government, you know, traumatizes the entire society. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's all I'll say, Israel. And gives Hezbollah... Israel. Massive headache in terms of what they have to deal with up front and center. Forget about any, yeah, any foreign policy outlook. Yeah, Facebook is is on on, on the topics we we're talking about previously. Facebook, that uh, image I just sent you, Scotty. That Facebook is is on top of, um, on top of that th those topics as well in terms of the winter of discontent, uh, uh, supply shortages. Uh, if you have a look there, at. Uh, what they're informing people about. Are you concerned that someone you know is becoming too prepared? We care about preventing extremism on Facebook. Others in your situation have reported, reported, what does I say, have something confidential support. Mm -hmm. What do they mean, someone you know is becoming Received. too prepared? Too prepared for what? The second coming of Jesus? Well, for anything. You can't be too prepared. I mean, oh, you can be too prepared. Look at the, some, <laughs> look at the name of the group it was posted in at the top. Canning Simple, Canning Simple Recipes. Yeah. Gardening, Preserving and Crafting Group. 
Anyone ever see this? My sister-in-law got this warning in another canning group. So yeah, uh, Facebook cares about you and if you're canning too much and they're there to help, you can receive confidential support if you know anyone who is maybe canning a bit too much. If, if you, you see, see something, if, say something. If you see a lot of canning going on, then uh, maybe just, you know, maybe just ask Facebook about it. I suppose the implication is if someone is becoming too prepared, Facebook wants to prevent extremism, they're going to be someone who's stocking up, therefore in having kind of a one eye on survivalism type they might have stuff. Guns. They might be armed, they might Try to wage a full ground war against the United States. Against the unprepared. Against the United States government. Full ground war. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at this week. Do you Um, want to end it on a funny note? Did you see the one? You know, um, Project Veritas has been all over Pfizer. Oh, yeah, woman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She... uh, yeah, you'll see. Someone has she, put this music. She, the Benny Hill, Benny Hill yeah. soundtrack. Can I don't put know. That up, Scotty. I'm wondering if there's something in the Pfizer have that couldn't help us for a woman. Vanessa Gellman, I'm a reporter with Project Veritas. Hey, Vanessa. Vanessa Gellman, I'm a reporter with Project Veritas. Vanessa Gellman, who works in Washington D.C., is senior director senior of worldwide research from Vanessa Gellman. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. Why did you send emails telling uh, Pfizer employees not to report that you guys were using fetal cell lining, miss? What else are you hiding from the public? Miss, what else are you hiding from the public? The public needs to know. She should get a, a Stairmaster for those. Steps. Well, uh, there you have it. We wanted to ask her a few questions. She broke out into a sprint. We really think that the public needs to know what about the fetal cell lining emails. And uh, we tried to get a comment. She ran. Sometimes they don't want to yeah. answer for the fraud that they're committing or the corruption that's going on. We try our best. And uh, the really only question now is who's next? Hey, Vanessa. <laughs> run, Vanessa, run. <laughs> they can't get you. They're asking me questions. <laughs> So, yeah, well, if you, you know, if you don't have to hide, you wouldn't run, right, I suppose? Uh, certainly from just some guy who's in the street who's asking you a question, you wouldn't You can imagine the, the recent internal emails. If anyone from Project Veritas approaches company, you, run. Run. <laughs> Here's a pill to help you run. Maybe they, they're handing out, like, to their executives, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Pills to help with your, your, your cardio health or something like that. Uh, if we just run... We won't be caught out. Yeah. That would be know. fine. Profits will keep coming in. Yeah. I guess. That's the strategy. Yeah. Now she's in Washington, D.C., so she can run all the way to the White House and they'll give her some protection there, I'm sure. Um, or run to Biden's house. Uh, he'll sort her out. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Well, it's an hour and 45 minutes. That's pretty... Uh, well, an hour and 40 minutes about. That's pretty good. Do we have any... Uh, <laughs> sprint, is, <laughs> sprint is a bit generous more like a fast waddle yeah it was a fast waddle <laughs> it's cardio time sorry just on my run yeah <laughs> what are you running from the truth um, <laughs> reality reality accountability 
Uh, okay, yeah. So listen, thanks guys for watching, for tuning in, for commenting. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back um, next week with another one, another roundup of whatever's going on. I'm sure you can guess at this point, but you never know. One of these days, something big is going to happen. Although there's always something happens during the week. There's always the next stage that moves the, the narrative along, you know. So anyway, we'll be reporting on it, what, whatever it is and give you the lowdown uh, as you've come to expect. So yeah, smash all the buttons and thanks for commenting. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.